Welcome to the One Year Daily Chronological Bible Studies Podcast. This is Rodney Harrier, your host. If you are looking for a fresh and easy approach to read through God's Word and understand it, you have come to the right place. By following these chronological Bible studies, you will understand how the events, characters, and writings fit together in their proper sequence. What you learn can change your life forever. Today is a review of God's design for Israel's government and their worship and a preview of the book of Leviticus. God's plans for you. A favorite verse that many Christians like to quote is Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. We like those words, but what if God goes silent for a while? Can we still believe it? Or has God forgotten us? In our last lesson, God spoke the Ten Commandments to the Israelites. The people feared the Lord would destroy them, so they told Moses to speak with God. And whatever he says, they'll do. Moses goes up into Mount Sinai, the mountain of God, to meet with him. The last sight the Israelites see is Moses going up into a smoking mountain. Did Moses get burned up? Should they appoint another leader and follow him? But God was sharing his plans with Moses, and he expected them to trust him and wait. Moses was gone 40 days. 40 is a number of testing in the Bible. At the time of Noah's flood, it rained 40 days and 40 nights. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. Jonah the prophet cries out that in 40 days Nineveh would be destroyed if she didn't repent. Immediately after John baptized Jesus, Satan tested Jesus in the wilderness after he had gone without food for 40 days. God was testing Israel to see if she would remain faithful while waiting for Moses. Israel had no government after being under the thumb of Egypt. She needed guidance to prevent chaos and institute justice. With the finger of God, the Lord wrote out Ten Commandments and then gave explanations of how He wanted the Israelites to carry them out. The Lord also shared plans to institute worship so He might bless them. After 40 days, the people lost faith that they would ever see Moses again. Perhaps he would never return. How long are we willing to wait on God? Finally, the people pressured Aaron to make gods to lead them back to Egypt. In response, Aaron asked for donations and fashioned a golden calf idol. When the people saw it, they rejoiced and rose to party and have a drunken sexual orgy. Screech! Halt! The Lord abruptly stopped sharing his plans. Israel has sinned while Moses is on the mountain. The Lord is angry enough to kill the Israelites, but Moses pleads for mercy, and God relents. After punishing the unfaithful, God forgives the people and restores them. Oh, what joy there is in restoration! No more guilt. The Lord doesn't hold grudges. He blesses them. Now that they're ready to listen, 
Moses instructs them on how God wants them to practice his moral laws. The Israelites came from slavery. They needed new laws so they wouldn't oppress their people. These laws could be more accurately described as laws regarding indentured servants, for that's what they were. Those who were poor could lend their services to provide for their family and personal living expenses. It was a six-year service, and in the seventh year, their owners released them. We'll talk more about this later. Capital Punishment What makes a crime punishable by death? Moses gives guidelines about what is and isn't a capital offense. Capital offenses didn't include accidental deaths, but there were convictions for premeditated murder and sexual assaults and perversions. Near relatives to the victims could exact the sentences. The laws of restitution. These were just and fair compensation for injuries a worker, meaning a slave or indentured servant, incurred on the job, or for losing animals or property. There was also a good neighbor policy. If you saw an animal trapped, you had to help your neighbor. If you witnessed a crime, you had to report it and testify to the truth of what you saw. Another law was remember the Sabbath. Just what does this mean? Moses gives several examples. Later, religious leaders would abuse this command to the point of a man being made for the Sabbath instead of the Sabbath for the man. Jesus would correct this misunderstanding. The day of rest is necessary to refresh our bodies once a week and show reverence for the God who made them. I keep a Sabbath on a Sunday. This is admittedly one of the hardest commands I have to keep because I am used to being very busy. After Moses gives instructions regarding the law and how to apply it, Moses shares the plans for a portable worship center. God designed this tent-like structure called the tabernacle to be a visible representation of himself, and the service within this tent would help the Israelites to stay in his good graces. God directs Moses to follow the plans exactly. The tabernacle furnishings would be a copy of something later to appear, salvation through Jesus Christ. The furnishings were the Ark of the Covenant, this was a small golden chest with a lid where two golden angels sat with their wings facing each other and wingtips touching. The Ark of the Covenant with the angelic beings on top pictures the glorious but invisible presence of God. Next, there was a beautiful designed golden lampstand of cups and almond blossoms, a menorah. The lamp represents Jesus, the light of the world, John 8:12. There was also a small golden table on which a priest would daily place 12 flat cakes of unleavened, meaning bread without yeast. The table of showbread with the two piles of six unleavened flat cakes on it represents fellowship between God and the 12 tribes of Israel. Jesus is the bread of life. If we, not only Jews, but also Gentiles, spiritually partake of him, we can have fellowship with God and each other. What does it mean to spiritually partake of Jesus? Do we eat him? No. To spiritually partake means to believe in him. 1 John 1.3, Ephesians 2.11-18 
There was also a small golden altar for burning incense in the tabernacle. The altar of incense represents prayer, Luke 1, verses 11 through 13, and Revelation 5, 8. Entrance into the presence of God was inaccessible, except by the priest once a year. But with the blood of Christ, God's Son, He, as our high priest, can bring us into the presence of God. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 7 through 15. There was also a bronze basin. The priest used this to wash before ministering with the articles of the tabernacle and his furnishings. Like the priest, we too need daily cleansing of our sins so we may lead holy lives and handle the holy things of God, that is, our spiritual ministry. We can be daily cleansed by applying 1 John 1.9. Last, there was a bronze altar for sacrificing burnt offerings from the worshipers. The bronze altar of sacrifice at the entrance of the courtyard represents the sacrifice necessary for sins. Constant animal sacrifices would soon be offered there. About 1,400 years later, when Christ would be executed on the cross at Calvary, he sacrifices himself so we might have forgiveness once for all. When we accept Christ's sacrifice for our sins, we are forgiven and pardoned of all our offenses. Hebrews 9:14-15. Thank you, Lord. Now that the tabernacle was set up, it was time for the priest's dedication for service. They helped reconcile people to God. Today, believers in Christ are charged with reconciling people to God. 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the ministry of reconciliation. God's laws have been given to the people. They build the tabernacle to exact specifications, and the priests are dedicated to service. What's next? Learning how to worship God as He requires. Moses wrote a whole book, a manual, to cover this subject. It's called Leviticus. Here's a preview. We will study this book and three related lessons in the book of Numbers over the next two weeks. Here is an introduction to Leviticus. The date of the book. If we examine the context of the books of Exodus and Leviticus, we can see that Leviticus was probably written about the same time as the latter half of Exodus. At this time, there was no movement of Israel's camp. This was a training time to learn how to offer the sacrifices the Lord required. Authorship of the book. Moses gave verbal instructions and then wrote down the procedures dictated by God. Afterward, he demonstrated how to do them. Moses is, therefore, the composer of the manual. The name of the book. Leviticus is derived from Levi, the tribe appointed to serve as priests and servants to the Israelites. The theme. Holiness is the focus of Leviticus. Holiness is a state of absolute righteousness without sin or anything impure or unclean. The word holy is used of God and the best of things devoted totally to Him. People who appear before Him must also be holy. How could anyone achieve that? Only with God's help. The Lord accepted the Israelites when they turned from their sins. 
demonstrating their faith by bringing unblemished sacrifices to him as he required. Unblemished means without spot or any deformity whatsoever. When they did this, they met God's demands for holiness and drew near to him in a personal relationship. Outline of the book. A noted theologian, A.F. Rainey, observes three distinct orders in Levitical sacrifices. First, the didactic order. Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1 through chapter 6, verse 7, taught individuals their responsibilities regarding the offerings, what offerings they were to bring, and for what purpose. Second, the administrative order. Leviticus chapter 6, verse 8 through chapter 7, verse 38 was a guide for the priests, and it answered the question, what do we do with the offerings when we receive them? Third was a standard procedural order for offering sacrifices. Leviticus chapter 8, verses 14 through 32, and chapter 9, verses 1 through 24, says the regular order was sin and guilt offerings, followed by burnt grain, and fellowship offerings or peace offerings. I'll explain all the sacrifices and their purposes as we read about them. You don't have to know about that right now. The last half of Leviticus deals with the practical application of holiness in their daily lives. We can still learn from these principles. The nature of the offerings. The offerings to the Israelite God, the Lord, or Jehovah, were not primarily for appeasing anger or currying favor with him. In most cases, the offerings were required for making amends, or the word atonement could be used for the Israelite sins. The Israelites were to sacrifice animals in substitution for their lives or as a penalty for their sins. This was an, an agrarian society. It cost them every time they violated God's laws. They couldn't offer just any animal, they had to be worthy of God, perfect, without blemish or any deformity or even a spot, because the Lord is that way. When the Israelites obediently offered sacrifices according to God's specific directions, He forgave the Israelites' sin and wiped them out. He restored their relationship to Him. The perfect sacrifice also typified Christ, the Lamb of God, who is righteous and without sin. John 1.29 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 19. He gave his life for us to offer us forgiveness and restore our relationship to him. The second half of Leviticus is about practical holiness, laws for health, cleanliness, and purity. The Israelites were to eat clean animals, meaning those approved by God. The people themselves must stay clean or free from disease, bodily discharges, and other contaminations. Their homes and clothing must remain free from mildew. Why? These guidelines and restrictions were given for their health and their holiness. God said, You must keep the Israelites separate from things that make them unclean, so they will not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place, which is among them. Leviticus 15:31. The Israelites were expected to be holy people, separated from all evil and uncleanness, and separated to their most holy God. The Lord was going to dwell among them. How do we view God in our relationship with Him? Although today we do not observe His stringent requirements of clean food, bodies, houses, and clothing, 
God is still as holy as he was then. He is set apart as entirely pure and undefiled, yet he desires to dwell within us. John chapter 1 verse 14. The Lord is preparing a perfect place for us to live in heaven. 1 Peter 1 4. And someday he will come to dwell with us on a new or rejuvenated earth. Revelation 21 verses 1 through 3. Is holiness possible? How can we possibly be holy? We are human and sinful. The writer of the book of Hebrews says that Jesus became a high priest to offer himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Such a high priest meets our needs, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Hebrews 7.26 Jesus died in our place, was buried, and rose again from the dead for our salvation. If we accept his payment for our sins, God makes us righteous spiritually clean and pure. How do we stay holy? Maybe our mother told us when we were kids, now don't get your pants dirty. But we always did, right? The same thing happens in our lives as adults. We constantly sin and get dirty. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can remain clean. To cooperate with Him, we need to separate ourselves from evil practices and even the appearance of evil, 1 Thessalonians 5.22. We should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, Romans 12.1. The Apostle Paul instructs us, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, 1 Peter 1.15. No one is perfect, of course, so we must confess our sins to the Lord to receive cleansing and forgiveness, 1 John 1.9. When we separate ourselves to God, we are in his realm and experience his joy. I don't want any of us to be discouraged by these words. Holiness is a process. I find myself having to confess sins every day. And I'm hoping as I get older in the Lord that I will sin less and less. But maybe you're in that same boat. Don't be discouraged. God can work on you if you submit your will to his. Admittedly, Leviticus can be tedious to read, and the sacrificial procedures no longer apply because they symbolize things to come. Still, these symbols are rich with meaning and help us understand our need for Christ's salvation, His cleansing, and God's holiness. At the end of this series in Leviticus, we will be glad we read this book. We will have so much more and appreciation of what Christ did for us. Join me for prayer, won't you? Our Father in heaven, we are about to take a look at how the Israelites worshiped you, their most holy God. And even today, we will learn more about you studying Leviticus. God, give grace and understanding to everyone who reads. In Jesus' name, amen. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so you can receive the episodes as soon as they are available. Thank you for joining us. Remember, go with God and He goes with you.